Welcome to the video book summary of Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. This book was published in 2016 and weighing in at 256 pages. Many of us insist the main impediment to a full, successful life is the outside world. In fact, the most common enemy lies within our ego. Early in our careers, it impedes learning and the cultivation of talent. With success, it can blind us to our faults and so future problems. In failure, it magnifies each blow and makes recovery more difficult. At every stage, ego holds its back. Ego is the enemy, draws on from a vast array of stories and examples, from literature to philosophy to history. This book is available on Amazon with the link in the description if you like what you hear. So without further ado, I bring you the book summary of Ego is the Enemy. The book in three sentences. Ego is an unhealthy belief in our own importance. Ego is there, undermining us on the very journey we've put everything into pursuing. Ego can be managed and directed. The five big ideas. At any given time in life, we're aspiring to something. We have achieved success or we have failed. We must cultivate humility, diligence and self-awareness if we are to remove ego. Maintain your own scorecard. Don't fake it till you make it. Make it. Always stay a student. Ego is the enemy. Book summary. The orator Demosthenes once said that virtue begins with understanding and is fulfilled by courage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, your worst enemy always lives inside of you. Your ego. The ego we see most commonly goes by more of a casual definition. An unhealthy belief in our own importance. Arrogance, self-centered, ambition. With every ambition and goal we have, big or small, ego is there undermining us on the very journey we've put everything into pursuing. Just one thing keeps ego around, comfort. At any given time in life, people find themselves at one of the three stages. We're aspiring to something, trying to make a dent in the universe. We have achieved success, perhaps a little, perhaps a lot, or we have failed recently or continually. Ego is the enemy every step along the way. Your ego is not some power you're forced to satiate at every turn. It can be managed, it can be directed. When we remove ego, we're left with what is real. You must practice seeing yourself with a little distance, cultivating the ability to get out of your own head. What is rare is not raw talent, skill or even confidence, but humility, diligence and self-awareness. For your work to have truth in it, it must come from truth. If you want to be more than a flash in the pan, you must be prepared to focus on the long term. We will learn, though we think big, we must act and live small in order to accomplish what we seek. Because we will be action and education focused and forego validation and status. Our ambition will not be grandiose, but irritative, one foot in front of the other, learning and growing and putting in the time. So what is scarce and rare? Silence. The ability to deliberately keep yourself out of the conversation and subsist without its validation. Silence is the respite of the confident and the strong. Talk depletes us. Talking and doing fight for the same resources. Research shows us while goal visualizations is important, after a certain point our mind begins to confuse it with actual progress. The same goes for verbalization. 
the only relationship between work and chatter is the one kills the other. If your purpose is something larger than you, to accomplish something, to prove something to yourself, then suddenly everything becomes both easier and more difficult. Easier in the sense that you know now what it is you need to do and what is important to you. The other choices wash away, as they aren't really choices at all. They're distractions. It's about the doing, not the recognition. Easy in the sense that you don't need to compromise. Harder because each opportunity, no matter how gratifying or rewarding, must be evaluated along strict guidelines. Does this help me do what I set out to do? Does this allow me to do what I need to do? Am I being selfish or selfless? In this course, it is not. Who do I want to be in life? But what is it that I want to accomplish in life? Setting aside selfish interest, it asks, what calling does it serve? What principles govern my choices? Do I want to be like everyone else or do I want to do something different? Although it's never too late, the earlier you ask yourself these questions, the better. The mixed martial arts pioneer and multi-title champion Frank Shamrock has a system he trains fighters in that he calls plus, minus, and equal. Each fighter, to become great, he said, needs to have someone better than they can learn from, someone lesser who they can teach, and someone equal that they can challenge themselves against. The purpose of Shamrock's formula is simple, to get real and continuous feedback of what what they know and what they don't know from every angle. It purges out the ego that puffs us up, the fear that makes us down ourselves, and any laziness that might make us want to coast. As Shamrock observed, false ideas about yourself destroy you. For me, I always stay a student. That's what martial arts are about, and you have to use that humility as a tool. You put yourself beneath someone you trust. This beginning by accepting that others know more than you and that you can benefit from their knowledge and then seeking them out and knocking down the illusions you have about yourself. A true student is like a sponge, absorbing what goes on around him, filtering it, latching onto what he can hold. A student is self-critical and self-motivated, always trying to improve his understanding so that he can move on to the next topic, the next challenge. A real student is also his own teacher and his own critic. There is no room for ego there. Your passion may be the very thing holding you back from power or influence or accomplishment. Because just as often, we fail with, no, because of, passion. I'm talking about passion of a different sort. Unbridled enthusiasm. Our willingness to pounce on what's in front of us with full measure of our zeal. The bundle of energy that our teachers and gurus have assured us is our most important asset. It is that burning, unquenchable desire to start or to achieve some vague, ambitious, and distant goal. This seemingly innoxious motivation is so far from the right track it hurts. Passion typically masks a weakness. Its breathlessness and impededness and frankness are poor substitutes for discipline, for mastery, for strength, and purpose and perseverance. You need to be able to spot this in others and in yourself. Because while the origins of passion may be earnest and good, its effects are comical and then monstrous. What humans require in our ascent is purpose and resilience. Purpose, you could say, is like passion with boundaries. 
Realism is detached and perspective. Passion is a form over function. Passion is function, function, function. The critical work that you want to do will require your deliberation and consideration, not passion, not naivete. It's far better if you were intimidated by what lies ahead, humbled by its magnitude and determined to see it through regardless. Leave passion for the amateurs. Make it about what you feel you must do and say, not what you care about and wish to be. When you want to do something, something big and important and meaningful, you will be subjected to treatment ranging from indifference to outright sabotage. Count on it. Pride blunts the very instrument we need in order to succeed, our mind. The question to ask when you feel pride then is this. What am I missing right now that a more humble person might see? What am I avoiding or running from with my bluster? Franticness and embellishments. It is far better to ask and answer these questions now, with the stakes still low, than it will be later. It's worth saying, just because you are quite doesn't mean that you are without pride. Privately thinking you're better than others is still pride. It's still dangerous. Make it so you don't have to fake it. That's the key. Every time you sit down to work, remind yourself, I am delaying gratification by doing this. I am pausing the marshmallow test. I am earning what my ambition burns for. I am making an investment in myself instead of my ego. Give yourself a little credit for this choice, but not so much because you've got to get back to the task at hand. Practicing, working, improving. It is not enough only to be a student at the beginning. It is a position that one has to assume for life. Learn from everyone and everything. From the people you beat and the people who beat you. From the people you dislike, even from your supposed enemies. At every step and every juncture in life, there is an opportunity to learn. And even if the lessons is pure remedial, we must not let ego block us from hearing it again. Pick up a book on a topic you know next to nothing about. Put yourself in the rooms where you'd be least knowledgeable person. That uncomfortable feeling. That defensiveness that you feel when you most deeply held assumptions are challenged. What about subjecting yourself to it deliberately? Change your mind. Change your surroundings. We want so desperately to believe that those who have the great empires set out to build one. Why? So we can indulge in the pleasurable planning of ours. So we can take full credit for the good that happens and the riches and respect that come our way. Narrative is when you look back at the improbable or unlikely path to your success and say, I knew it all along. Instead of, I hoped, I worked, I got some good breaks, or even I thought this could happen. Of course you didn't really know all along. Or if you did, it was more faith than knowledge. But who wants to remember all the times you doubted yourself? Writing our own narrative leads to arrogance. It turns our life into a story, and it turns us into caricatures, while we still have to live it. These narratives don't change the past, but they do have the power to negatively impact the future. When we're aspiring, we must resist the impulse to reverse engineer success. When we achieve our own, we must resist the desire to pretend that everything unfolds exactly as we planned. There was no grand narrative. You should remember, you were there when it happened. Instead of pretending that we're living some great story, we must remain focused on the execution. 
and on executing with excellence. We must shun the false crown and continue working on what got us here. It's not about beating the other guy. It's not about having more than the others. It's about being what you are and being as good as possible at it without succumbing to all things that draw you away from it. It's about going where you set out to go, about accomplishing the most that you're capable of in what you choose. That's it. No more, no less. As you become successful in your own field, your responsibilities begin to change. Days become less and less about doing and more and more about making decisions. Such is the nature of leadership. This transition requires reevaluating and updating your identity. It requires a certain humility to put aside some of the more enjoyable or satisfying parts of your previous job. It means accepting that others might be more qualified or specialize in areas in which you considered yourself competent, or at least their time is better spent on them than yours. Ego needs honors in order to be validated. Confidence, on the other hand, is able to wait and focus on the task at hand regardless of external recognition. We have to fight to stay sober, despite the many different forces swirling around our ego. According to Robert Greene, there are two types of time in our lives. Dead time, when people are passive and waiting, and a lifetime, when people are learning and acting and utilizing every second. Every moment of failure, every moment or situation we did not deliberately choose or control presents this choice. A lifetime, dead time. When success begins to slip from your fingers for whatever reason, the response isn't to grip and call so hard that you shatter it to pieces. It's to understand that you must work yourself back to the aspirational phase. You must get back to first principles and best practices. The only real failure is abandoning your principles. Killing what you love because you can't bear to part from it is selfish and stupid. If your reputation can't absorb a few blows, it wasn't worth anything in the first place. And that's a wrap on Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Subscribe to our channel for future video book summaries and follow us on Instagram, hashtag bestbookbits. This summary is from the website samuelthomasdavis.com. Watch previous video book summaries on our channel. If you like the video and want to buy the book, click the link in the video description to purchase from Amazon. Thanks for watching and I hope you learned a thing or two. Have a great day.